looking. Deep pattern downfield. Touchdown, Miami. What a throw, Devontae Parker. Holy smokes, what a drive. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, breathe it all in. Can you smell that? It smells to me like football season. The 2021 Miami Dolphins are back on the field. We have a practice in the books. We're going to break it all down for you here. The drills, the pace of practice, the team periods, the top performers. We're going to cover all of that, break down what coach and the players had to say, and a whole lot more. All of that on this day one of training camp 2021 edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And we are for the first time coming to you from Baptist Health Studios here at the Baptist Health Training Facility in Miami Gardens, right across the way from beautiful Hard Rock Stadium. And practice just wrapped and we have a lot to get to. But before we dig into that, some roster news. As Shaquem Griffin signed with Miami since the last time I spoke with you all. And those that have been following along with me since... The Locked On Dolphins days know how excited I was about his prospects as a pro back in the 2018 NFL Draft. And not to toot my own horn here, but I guess toot toot, I had very nice things to say about a handful of linebackers in that class, and they were, well, Jerome Baker. And what I saw from him that really put him on the map for me was that wheel route against Saquon Barkley, where Barkley created zero separation with both guys on a dead sprint. Also fell in love with Darius Leonard and Fred Warner, mostly at the Senior Bowl for their work in coverage and as linebackers in that week of practice, the change of direction, all the skill sets that really kind of go along with a modern day linebacker like a Jerome Baker, like a Fred Warner, like a Darius Leonard. And the fourth was, of course, Shaquem Griffin. So not bad, Travis, not bad at all. Now, Shaq has been more special teams than prominent snap taker on defense so far in his career, but I think there's a lot of juice for him as a rusher, especially when you start to incorporate all of the, again, this word, change of direction, this phrase, I should say, he's capable of flashing with a change of direction, but also his counter moves are pretty great from what I recall on his college tape back at UCF. The Dolphins also add defensive back Cravon LeBlanc. This is a feisty player that also has the special teams reputation really across all special teams units, but he also has the defensive production to go along with it. The thing that stands out to me is his ball production with 18 passes defensed in 52 career games played and 1,100 give or take coverage snaps. That's basically a little less then two seasons of coverage snaps and averaging better than nine per year on PBUs shows you some of those ball skills. And I remember when Coach Flores was first hired, I did a podcast with some of the Patriots beat writers who, in addition to raving about Coach for both his leadership and his football acumen, talked about his preference for guys in the defensive secondary that can play the football. And that, of course, includes long speed and tackling, and some of the other stuff Coach Flores has talked about with regards to defensive backs, and we've seen that as a real point of emphasis here in Miami. And then finally, Jibri Blunt, the tight end, was waived with an injury settlement, and Carson Meyer was brought into the tight end's room to replace Jibri Blunt, and Meyer spent time with Jacksonville and Atlanta in 2019. 
He's got some tight end slash H-back flexibility that way. He's a big dude that loves to square up blocks and make his presence known that way. And a few more notes here before practice began. We heard on Tuesday from Coach Flores that Preston Williams will start the season on the PUP. So too will Devontae Parker, another receiver, offensive lineman DJ Fluker, and linebacker Elandon Roberts, while rookie offensive lineman Larnell Coleman starts on the reserve COVID-19 list. Miami also signed Tyler Mars. Now, I am not familiar with his game, so we can cover that more in depth on a later podcast. So that's your roster activity and we'll have plenty more to get to here including our training camp segments my notepad will crown some performers of the day and talk about my favorite matchup I saw out there and hear from some players as well and before we get to the practice notes let's talk about Xavier Howard for just one moment and let's do that with me just saying this I can't really give you anything I mean what coach said in his press conference about those talks being internal and that he hopes that they can work towards a resolution and that they love X that's that's the story. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and speculate any further because that's where the conversation and any value of the conversation ends for me. I'm not interested in this game of telephone or the drama filled back and forth or speculation, whether it's social media for me or otherwise. We're here to talk about football, and that is that. Coach also appeared on the Joe Rose show on Wednesday morning talking about how he understands and the Dolphins understand Xavier's concerns, but will keep conversations internal. And the plan is to keep or to continue to keep talking to him and his representation. Quote, we love X, end quote. So that is that. And speaking of football, why don't we start with well the practice notes, play the hits, right? And first things first, there wasn't a one-on-one period at this practice. So I'm going to go ahead and punt on the matchup of the day because there just weren't enough notable reps between any two guys to, I think, really pursue that segment today. You know, you got to have a few reps one-on-one, some few reps in team period. Now, there were some good matchups, like we'll talk about Eric Rowe and Mike Gasicki here in just a minute, but it wasn't prevalent enough to say that was the premier matchup of the day or something to that effect. So we're going to go ahead and punt on that, but it was otherwise a normal early on training camp practice. A lot of the early stuff here is that a bit of a tamed down pace as they work through some installs lots of running plays early plenty of passing plays late but the one thing that never changes here in South Florida the pace of practice is very fast moving nobody walks between periods there's an urgency and you can get the sense that that's built in with the idea of these kind of cooling periods they have in between certain periods where guys take their helmets off, they get some water, and then they go through a slow-paced walkthrough, and it gives the guys a chance to kind of rest the physical body while staying sharp mentally and get those mental reps in while you're still kind of working through it. So it's not like a Zoom meeting, it's on-field application, but you're not putting yourself through the strenuous, you know, the strenuous results of going through a South Florida rep down here at practice. And that's what this practice was all about. As we heard from QB1 post-practice on polishing up the things they did from OTAs and getting them streamlined here and polishing them up for training camp. Everyone's ready to go. I think it's really good that we got to come out and uh, kind of brush up on the things we went over uh, during the spring. Uh, So, you know, we look forward to uh, to what tomorrow brings. (laughs) So like he talks about, something of a continuation of what we saw back at OTAs in May and in June, and it coincides, I think, that is the pace of practice, with what we heard on Tuesday from Jerome Baker. Let's go ahead and roll that sound. They're ready to work. Uh, I say that about our whole rookie class. They're ready to work. They came in, and they really, uh, they definitely is ready to work. Uh, about Jalen, me is, the guy's in shape. He's, he's definitely in shape, and he's definitely ready to go. So I'm excited. You know, those young guys, they come in hungry, with a lot of energy, 
it, it doesn't just help, you know, their class and the younger guys, but it helps the older guys that, you know, it pushes us. So I'm definitely excited to, you know, get it going. It's something like a self-sustaining economy there as far as how everyone works to help each other within those football teams. So that's really cool to hear. And that's just a, a great way to establish a culture and the way things are expected to get done. I mean, we saw that from the 2019 team, Brian Flores' first year here in Miami, a team that played hard and competed and bounced back from that slow start to finish out the stretch five and four in the final nine games. Then you roll that into 2020 and you get the double digit wins and you could just see the excitement on the sidelines, with the way guys talked in press conferences all year, how much fun they had being a part of that group and how special they all said it was because of the way everybody wanted to work and get better. And then you roll into 2021, first day of practice. There's an energy around practice. And in fact, let's go ahead and hear from the old guard of the room here, the team, the 12-year vet who I could listen to him do media all day long. Jason McCourty, who touched on his experience here with the Dolphins so far. Oh, man, I'm loving it here. I just think... Uh, it's a great environment, uh, getting to know my teammates better and better each day. Um, it's exciting. Obviously, the new building is first class. I mean, you walk in that place, there's glass everywhere, uh, state-of-the-art, all the new gadgets and stuff you want to have. So uh, they've done everything first class. So I'm just excited uh, to be a part of something bigger than myself. And I want to go ahead and play a second clip here from McCourty talking more about his role in the team. And it kind of goes back to the idea of the balance of veterans and young players alike. Here's McCourty. Yeah, obviously out here in training camp, getting reps at different things will uh, build comfort, build confidence. Uh, but from a knowledge standpoint, I feel very comfortable kind of with just the defense uh, in total of being able to not only execute my role, but be able to help guys, whether that's out on the field, whether that's in the locker room, talking about a given formation, a certain defense. I feel comfortable of having experience uh, since I've been here and also having experience in the past with uh, Flo and both Boyer. So one other tidbit here on the practice, the Dolphins ran two team periods simultaneously on either of the two practice fields. Tua and Reed Sinet were alternating on one far field while Jacoby Brissett was working on the near field. So there was a lot to take in for us in the stands there. And Tua was asked about the communication between he, Coach E, which is Coach Eric Studisville, and Coach Godsey, the co-offensive coordinators here in Miami. And he told us they're both in his helmet. He communicates with both. He also talked about the benefit of having the two field practices or the simultaneous reps going off at the same time. Well, I think there's a lot of benefit. Everyone gets a good amount of reps, um, you know, and you, you get to see both sides. You know what this side did, what this side did. You can learn from it. So basically just giving the players extra film to look at every single day after practice. So it gets the, both the extra reps on the field as well as in the film room. So that kind of recaps our media and how it incorporated with players on the practice field. And you guys can find the Tuesday pressers up on the team YouTube page at Miami Dolphins on YouTube. And I want to recap a couple of those things here really quickly. First, Jesse Davis touched on coach Lemuel Jean-Pierre. And I thought it stood out how he said that Coach is fiery, but in a respectful way. And that really struck a chord with me in that, you know, for me personally, that's the best way to coach me. The best way to coach Travis is to give me that passion and the desire to, to be great, but treat me like an adult and a human being. So I loved hearing that. We also heard from Christian Wilkins, who talked about his role as a leader here in year number three. He talked about the rookie Jalen Phillips, how he's a great kid. You heard Jerome talk about him earlier and how Christian's going to take him under his wing. Let's go ahead and hear from Christian on that role. He's a good kid. Um, just getting to know him a little bit. Uh, during OTAs, I really like him. Uh, he's a hard worker, really, you know, 
really, really cool, chill guy. I loves to listen. I'm kind of trying to take him under my wing a little bit and just be there for him in any way I can. Um, you know, just be a good brother, big brother to him. But I really like him a lot. Um, I feel like he's, you know, has a chance to be pretty good. He's got to put the work in. So you heard him talking there a little bit about the chance to put the work in and to be a leader for, for Jalen Phillips. The audio cuts out a little bit there, but he talks about taking him under his wing and kind of the leadership aspect of that. And at the end of practice, well, wouldn't you know it, who's the last guy getting sprints on the field afterwards? None other than big number 94. Now, I saw a few guys on the jugs machine, which you probably heard during Tua and McCourty's presser there. And my apologies for not knowing who each of them were individually. I saw Mike Gesicki. I saw Isaiah Ford rocking the short shorts. Can't miss those. And Nate Hawley was out there as well. And there were two other guys, but I just didn't see who they were. The pads come off in the practice, so there's no numbers. I'm about 50 yards away, give or take. So I just couldn't quite tell. My apologies there. And let's go ahead and get now into the start of practice and some notes. I wrote down, as I go through practice, I'm always taking notes, but I wrote down just how big Raekwon Davis, Emmanuel Ogba, and John Jenkins looked. And Jenkins is a wide-bodied dude, and we saw the strength both on the sled as well as in the install period. On one rep, he locked out. And you know that old punch-out boxing-style game, the two plastic uh, boxers in the ring where you put your hands in the buttons and you push the buttons and they frantically punch until one of the heads pops up? That's kind of what it looked like when he played this rep. He stood his man up instantly, popped him straight up, which means no push, some penetration at the line, stack it up, make a play for or a chance for linebackers to make a play behind you. He's just a tough guy to roll out of those A gaps. And I saw that right away on the practice field. So after warm-ups and stretching and those installs were done, we get to some seven on seven. And the very first throw went to Will Fuller from Tua Tonga Vailoa, and he splits a pair of defenders as he squares. Will Fuller does, squares back up to the quarterback, and the ball is right on the number three. I thought that was a good tone setter for the day for Tua as he was playing on rhythm and on time with the with respect to the anticipation coming back on the stem of that route from Fuller with Tua putting the ball there when it needed to be there. And that happened again on a couple more occasions where the ball was out and the receiver comes out of the break and just to see it in the breadbasket right away. So the good rapport early on is an encouraging sign. And there were a couple of plays where the play just, it had no result. And on the whole, I thought the offensive line did a good job of keeping the quarterbacks clean and giving them time to throw in drills. And that can be difficult to simulate you know, a full speed pass rush versus pass pro. I did get a few notes on the offensive line late in practice, but we'll cover that more later in the week. But still, there were a few times where the ball just never got out. So good uh, on the coverage of the secondary for scoring some wins too. Offense gets some wins, defense gets some wins. You love to see that when it's the same team competing against each other. Another thing I noted from Tua was his arm strength. And there was plenty of it testing the middle of the field. There were some deep overs, some curls, some, some dig routes and things that require... You know, a pretty good rip from your quarterback, and he was letting that thing fly. I, I never saw a ball that I looked at and thought, that doesn't have the requisite arm strength. That just wasn't the case. So you see the off-season workout and the, the off-season workload kind of contributing to pushing the ball down the field and, and really showing off the arm strength this season. I thought Jacoby Brissett had a good day too. He launched one to Alan Hearns that I bet he'd like to have back, but you can always consider those kind of small sample size theater, I suppose, because it's such a narrow window to throw the ball deep in this league against these cornerbacks and defensive backs. It's a low percentage throw, just like shooting the ball from deep in basketball. And the lower, the farther out you are, the lower percentage. And then you consider working with 
a new receiver for the first time really since, I guess, OTAs, but the first time in a training camp practice. But other than that, he got it out and on target and was and was sharp throughout the day. Alan Hearns had an awesome day. He was on the receiving end of that deep shot, and he came clean on a double move on that deep ball where the defensive back drove on a little stutter step. He throws about 10, 15 yards down the field, and then he absolutely sells out parallel to the ground trying to make a play on the football. It looked like Ozzie Smith out there going after a ground ball behind second base. Just incredible effort after a great route, which that's all you can do as a receiver. Put yourself in the best position to, to make a play for the for the quarterback and for your offense, and the rest is kind of up to you know the rest of the, the guys. So he also caught some seam shots from Jacoby throughout practice and showed the ability to catch the ball in those tough traffic areas, just like he did back in 2019 before his opt-out year in 2020. And Robert Foster did the same thing too, and I think he's been among... You know, one of the most standout performers going back to OTAs, catching the football off his frame, showing strong hands through contact. He had another really nice practice, I thought, on Wednesday. And then Jalen Waddle is just so sudden, so, so, so sudden. And you see that in the punt return. He and Jakeem Grant and Lynn Bowden Jr. were the ones backfielding punts on this Wednesday. And Michael Pilardi would boom those things. And my goodness, he's got himself a leg. He was getting both distance and hang time, all while directional kicking towards the sideline. So I love what I saw there. If a team that can play defense like Miami did a year ago with the ability to flip the field, that's a big boon to have. But on the other end, Waddle would field it and a gunner would close down on him. And just you saw the wiggle and that sudden burst to sidestep and to get to full gear quickly after he has to change direction or stop. It's just the suddenness in his game is very evident when you watch him. He's very, very quick and very, very fast. Speaking of fast, Albert Wilson, I think, had one of the best days on the field for my money. He caught passes at every level of the field, including the big ball from Tua early on in practice, or late in practice, I should say. They got the entire place buzzing, and a collective ooh and yay went out when he hauled in what looked like about a 50 or 60 air yard throw, our, our favorite phrase here lately, A dot average depth of target that'll help out your a dot and that thing had some michael pilardi type of hang time on it and that was one of the things i kind of always attributed to Tua's deep ball success back at bama the same arching type of throw you've seen from like a russell wilson for instance in seattle where he gets that thing up into the seattle sky and it gives the receiver time to adjust the ability to then stack the defensive back and then you kind of dictate the window the d the db has to make a play on the football and we saw it at Bama with Tua, and I thought we saw it today on the practice field with that throw late in practice. And Wilson made a great play too because the coverage was tight down there. And in all honesty, I thought it was going to get broken up because the coverage was right there, but it just got swallowed up by number two. And he also caught a swing route from Tua on a little snap, stand up, catch, fling that thing out there. And I think in full speed, he would have taken that one to the, to the end zone. And what was red zone work from about the 12 or 13 yard line, give or take, but a big day from Albert Wilson. Mac Hollins had a few grabs as well. And these big bodied guys, you know, they're tough to stop on the quick routes, like the speed out, the square in, the slants, the stuff where you basically put yourself between the quarterback and the defensive back and just use that big body to shield out. He had some big catches like that. They're just tough to get over the top of these big bodies. And Holland's had a couple of those throughout the course of practice. And so too did Hunter Long off the arm of Jacoby Brissett. 
Kirk Merritt had a nice catch and run off the arm of Reed Sinet on a deep over route, and then he follows it up with a good yak run after the catch opportunity where he did not want to slow down. He did the exact same thing back in OTAs where he caught a slant and went all the way and finished the thing in the end zone, followed up what I thought was a good OTA month with a nice practice here today. And how about the running backs? And again, this is probably probably the toughest position to gauge what's going on in training camp practices with no pads on. Now, Miles Gaskin did talk a little bit about what he can work on when there are no pads and no contact. Let's go ahead and roll that audio here from Miles Gaskin. Um, just just work as much as, as, much as I can on uh, spacing with routes and all that type of stuff, being able to be able to play in different positions or just be where I need to be. Um, definitely the mental aspect of it. When, it, when there ain't too much banging around, you got to just hone in to your mental and uh, make sure you get all the mental reps and uh, make sure uh, you'll be able to communicate with the coaches, communicate with the other guys where what they see and uh, what you need to see, um, stuff like that. And uh, just kind of kind of learning defensive too, obviously. I mean, you have that time right now for the first five days or whatever it is uh, with no pads. Um, just kind of learn everything you can to just soak it all in because when you put the pads on, you really bang it. So. so I really wanted to watch that aspect of Miles' game after that great answer at the press conference. And he's just so intentional in his work habits, man. Like he plays with a purpose that's just flat out why I believe the coaching staff is so fond of this guy. He also talked about taking on a leadership role with the club now in year number three and how he wants to be a conduit for the coaches in terms of how he communicates what they're trying to say and the message they want to get across. He can be a conduit for the players on the field in that role. Here's Miles. Definitely. Um, just uh, being here, being with Coach E last three years, uh, being with Coach Flo, um, knowing what they expect, um, being able to kind of show the younger guys that or the guys that haven't been with them the past year. I guess me and Pat are the only guys that have been here with them the past three years. Um, just kind of just being able to relay the message is the biggest thing. And uh, being able to relay that message as a player is probably like, it's easier to kind of go player to player than coach to player. You know? Always love hearing Miles speak at the podium. And speaking of running backs, Malcolm Brown, I thought had some nice rips in practice on Wednesday, as much as you can gauge these runs. But what I saw was a big, big back with urgency to the gap to the hole, a nice short yardage feature for sure. And then you pair that with some wiggle at the second level, and you can start to see how that changes the angles of pursuers and tacklers. And you're just not going to get him to the ground unless you square him up. And, you know, I promise to do more running back and trench work for you guys as we roll along here. But I saw some nice things from Malcolm Brown in the process. Among the tight ends, Shaheen was the most, Adam Shaheen, was the most heavily targeted on the day. He caught one of Tua's two touchdown passes on the day, one on the nice rolling throw with Adam coming across the formation. He plants right around the two-yard line or so. Tua throws it back across his body, finding open space against the defense, and Shaheen catches it, turns it upfield, gets into the end zone for the touchdown. There was an interception earlier in the day with that combination. And we could see them, you know, on the field kind of talking through it. And Tua later addressed it at his presser as a miscommunication. And he took responsibility for that. But once again, day one of training camp, that's where you get these things ironed out. So on to the defensive side of the football. Look, it's the same story I talked about in OTAs from Adam Butler. He's powerful, but also has that quick first step that puts offensive linemen into a bind. He had a rep where he came across the face of the center and Butler was in the opposite gap really before the center could even react. I love seeing that quickness with his power and his size. I thought he, Raekwon Davis, Christian Wilkins, and Zach Sealer all had good days. You saw them work on exactly what Christian Wilkins talked about 
and his press conference on Tuesday with the active hands and the placement, getting into the proper place with the feet and the eyes and the hands and working to keep their eyes on the football. And you see them do this with the bags and the sled or whatever the drill is you're looking at there, where they lock out, you peek at one side of the bag, you come across the other side, then you activate your disengage move to get to the ball carrier. Then at the second level, Jerome Baker had a pick on a play that I'm not really sure what happened on. So I'll just go ahead and explain what I saw. But earlier I said there were some plays that got shut down because the ball just doesn't come out in time and you're not going to let the defense you know, tee off on your quarterback when the ball is still in his hands and the play is kind of over. So it just goes to a dead play. But that happened on this one and Tua throws the ball kind of off to the side of the field. And it looked to me like just a throwaway to kind of conclude the play. But Jerome Baker flies over there, gets over there, and picks it off. And I'm not sure if it actually counted on the actual you know practice stat sheet, but the effort and energy you get from Jerome, it never, ever sleeps. He talked about in his press conference how you have to bring that energy every day. Not just day one, but in two weeks, you're going to see Jerome bring that energy as well. Andrew Van Ginkle did get one that counted, and boy, is it just the same thing I've known to come to know and love about Gink since his Wisconsin tape back in college. He gets depth, he keys the concept, he drives and makes the play, and this time it's an interception, and man, he looked good out there, bouncing around, active, making a play on the football, love watching 47 work out there. The linebackers kind of fall into the same category as the backs, you know, sands the coverage reps, and without one-on-ones, you don't get many of those, so that's why... Uh, you know, I enjoy watching them in these practices, but we'll get you guys more as camp goes along. I promise we're going to cover the entire roster here. We have more than a month to take care of that. Kylan Johnson forced a fumble on newcomer Carson Meyer during the one-on-one tackling period. More on that in just one second. He flew in there and punched it out, and it was the only one I saw in the entire drill. So good on you, Kylan Johnson. Finally, in the secondary, man, have I talked enough about how much I love watching Javon Holland play, talking about those one-on-one tackling drills. And really, it's a wrap and get out. You know, don't take guys to the ground. And there was a rep where Javon shoots out of a cannon on the whistle, was flying downhill, just completely in control, but also speedy. It was short, choppy steps to stay in control. So he shortens the distance and gets in great position to square up and make the tackle. I love when you see things on a player's tape from college translate to practice at the pro level and it's the same thing here with Javon Holland that I saw I love watching it also at the position Brandon Jones is also a ton of fun to watch at practice he plays all out all of the time and he was playing in the a gunner role on special teams just getting rep after rep and gassing it down the field and so too was Jamal Perry by the way so both those guys good on them for their conditioning and you know getting out there and running those sprints out here in the South Florida heat and humidity but Jones, the trigger, man, I, I tell you what, man, he has this knack for knifing in around the edge and flattening to meet the back right at the mesh point. He times up his his cadence to the ball and to the, to the snap, and we saw that once again here on Wednesday, more of the same from Brandon Jones. In that same position group, Eric Rowe had some really nice coverage reps. Stop me if you've heard that before. Tua tries this this throw on a seam route in red zone to Mike Gesicki, and he puts it where only Mike could get it because 21's in the short side hip pocket, the downfield part of the hip pocket, like closest to the offensive line of scrimmage. Now, we've seen Mike make that catch 100 times before, and there's just nothing you can do to defend that perfect throw and catch in that situation, but this one went incomplete right under the goalpost as Mike was not able to pull it in one-handed, so good play all around, good throw, good catch attempt, and of course, 
very good coverage. Terrell Bonds, number 35, had himself a day with a couple of pass breakups. I thought he was aggressive in coverage and playing faster than he did throughout his uh, camp last season with the Miami Dolphins. Cravon LeBlanc showed some of the ball skills we touched on earlier in this podcast. He had two PBUs, and I was really impressed with his ability to carry routes up the field but then put his foot in the ground and transition and drive, you know, work the hips kind of fluid, put the foot in the ground, flip the hips and drive back downfield to get on the football. He did that a couple of times in this practice as well. And then Noah Igbenogany, man, he is carved out of stone and he moves so fluidly. And speaking of transitioning, this guy is in and out of the breaks. He's driving down the stem of the route and he's playing just physical ball as he possibly can. And I don't recall him ever really getting a target in the team periods, which of course is always a great thing for a cornerback. And then Nick Needham also had a really nice play on a ball where he comes from depth and closed on the sideline to break up a pass that I think, I think it was Robert Foster was the intended receiver, but I'm not certain on that. I think I saw 16, but I can't recall 100%. Also 33 Jamal Perry was in the area for coverage as well. So good on both those guys. Just as a group, I really enjoy watching these guys work and Gerald Alexander coaching them up. They were doing the sleds together to kind of stack and shed a drill that simulates getting off blocks and getting to the ball carrier. And they were so in sync that you could just tell this is a well-oiled machine. And finally here, before we hand out our hardware for the day, Jason Sanders, actually, you know what? Let's go ahead and just put him in the category. Here are your top performers for day one, July 28th, practice number one of your 2021 Miami Dolphins training camp. And it starts with Jason Sanders. I lost count, but it was either six or seven field goals made, no misses. And, you know, he's hitting the back of the net from 50 yards and the back of that net's about 10 yards behind the upright. So just booming the ball through, clockwork with him. He's an absolute weapon. Albert Wilson catches all over the field. The suddenness to stop on a dime and change direction. I mean, you can manufacture touches for Wilson because he's so deadly with the football in his hands. Showed some of that on Wednesday. Andrew Van Ginkle, the coverage prowess was on display, and you pair that with what he showed as a rusher last season. That combination of skills, that's got me pretty excited. Cravon LeBlanc, he, the plays on the football and the loose hips I thought were most evident. Frankly, I thought he was moving as well as anybody down there. Javon Holland, the one-on-one tackling drill showed what he can do, but his ability to play from depth to come down and match up, I thought he was sharp in those areas. I thought his back pedal looked fantastic and he was involved in so much. Just a testament to his conditioning here for day one as a young rookie out there on the practice field. Alan Hearns, contested catches, an absolute filthy move, double move that got him a lot of separation behind the defense. The effort to lay it out, thought it was a big day for number eight. Michael Pilardi said it already, distance, hang time, directional kicking. He was either hitting them in the 60-yard range or kicking it in the 40 to 50-yard range with real no possibility of return. So a big day for the Dolphins punter. Brandon Jones, conditioning, instincts, trigger, all on display. I'm pumped about this safety group, a great blend of youth and experience. Jamal Perry, again, it takes a selfless player to line up and run down the field on punt team over and over and over again. He also made some nice plays on defense, and we wrap it up with our top performer here, Tua Tungavailoa. I thought there was a great command, lots of reps, and it helps to have the quarterback not just take charge in that regard, but also the quick game he's able to work through. I mean, I feel like I saw more reps in this practice today than I ever have in any practice. I also loved his tempo and the initial seven-on-seven drills, the accuracy from different throwing platforms, and of course, the big deep ball, which always gets the people out of their seats, not fans this time, but of course, players on the field excited about that deep completion. 
And that is a wrap. Day one is in the books. Let's get out of here. We're going to do this every day. So keep it locked here on the Drive Time Podcast. Get yourself a soda and a snack and buckle up as we take you home or to work or whatever driving analogy you want to plug in here on the podcast. The written recaps will not be daily, but we are going to get a couple of those out for you guys as we get more information, more detail. If you want to check out the press conferences, go to the team YouTube page and all the media bells are up and available for you there. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. You all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, tuned in, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast from, go ahead and leave us a rating, leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. You can follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and OJ, and of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.